Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Welcome back to the table, my friend. What are you up to? Uh, my neck. What, what is <laughs> in, that? In teaching class. Teaching. And writing dissertations. Yeah. The dissertation is almost done, friends. That have been following the journey. I have finished my master's degree. We finished in May. Yeah. Rob's dissertation is almost done, and it's, it's a there. masterpiece, right? Oh, it is just epic. <laughs> we just got some epic. Yeah. Epic. Yeah. We do have some friends at the table who yes, have finished a book, though. Yes. Uh, Chris and Elizabeth McKinney. Uh, wrote a book called Placed for Purpose. It's really on this idea of neighboring, which is a very popular conversation right now. They are with Crew City in Columbia, Missouri, formerly doing some crew work on the University of Missouri. We'll get into that later. I'm a University of Illinois fan, so we got some tension Uh there. Oh, I feel a fight Uh, coming. They also serve on staff of the local church. Um, And again, they co-authored the book Placed for a Purpose, A Simple and Sustainable Vision for Loving Your Next Door Neighbors. Welcome to the table, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Good to Absolutely. be here. Yeah, so so obviously you said we, before we start recording, you spent many years on the campus of the University of Missouri. You're, you're Tiger people. Mm. Um, I'm personal. an Illini guy. I'm not going to lie about it. So there's a big rivalry game every December. Okay, a Tiger, I understand. What is an Illini? Like, it's a, what is, it's a what Native is a, American tribe. The, oh, it is? Yeah. Like, I feel ignorant Fighting right Illini. Now. We're fierce. We're, we're Yeah. I. I, it's okay. We're friends. It's it's happened more than once. Well, I was so, just curious. It's, yeah. it's not something you know. So tell us a little bit about the the seventeen. I think it was seventeen years you guys spent doing college ministry. What was that like for you guys? Yeah, yeah. So well, we have some. We, we can connect because Elizabeth grew up in Chicago. So okay. so we can be okay there. And so then also, pause. did you grow up in Chicago or around Chicago? Yeah. Around around Chicago. Chicago. Where, okay, we're at. So St. Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Waukegan. We'll totally okay. ta- we'll table that for so, later. But yeah, you know so we Saint can Charles? still be friends. Hannah Granowski is Hannah Granowski is in St. Charles. Charles. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Oh, okay. Former guest. Anyways, so, so yeah. you guys were at Missouri. Yep, yep. So we, um, yeah, we loved it. We were on campus for 17 years um, doing college ministry. I helped direct the ministry um, for about eight of those. Um, we really love Greek ministry. We, we had a, we, we really enjoyed um, reaching out to fraternities and sororities. Um, and just, and we just loved it. It was, it was so fun to watch God, uh, work in these students lives. Like from when they're a freshman, they walk in that first night, the first weekly meeting, you're like, okay, like here's a freshman dude. I don't, who knows where this guy's going to end up. And then like four years later, he's a leader and, you know, and like, just to see that change. I mean, it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's an interesting question. You guys been in, in, in college ministry for a long time, not currently now, but so I'm kind of new to the higher ed world fairly recently, right? So one of the things that I haven't quite got used to yet because I was in pastoral ministry for almost 20 years before coming to Lee is it, I'm not quite used to the singular age group yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm used to multi-generational ministry where you got the young and the old the babies, all nine yards. It's like every fall, there's a new batch of the same age of people. And like, so how is that for you guys? Like, is was that ever weird? Like, the, did you feel like you were stuck on repeat? I th- I will say, I think we enjoyed moving into a season with our peers of, yeah. um, 
and we i mean we loved college kids it was it was awesome and we we were at it for a long time like we said and we and we got to experience going overseas and doing overseas ministry some um and he grew up overseas his parents were on staff with crew um i think it got dicey when the freshmen would bring their parents and you know and they'd be walking around i'm like i'm starting to look more like the the parents than i am the students you know that's when i was like are you too old to be at the root beer pong party (laughs) because i feel like you're getting too old to be at the root beer pong party yeah so the root beer pong party so we we we, my imagination just went wild he just had many ideas (laughs) we uh, dropped my daughter off here on it's summertime so we have a summer camp with lee university my daughter's here and um, I, I moved her into her dorm and whatever. And I walk out and there's like three people that I graduated with moving their daughters in. And I'm like, wow. oh, now I'm old. That I've reached the point where I'm no longer cool when all of us yeah. are moving kids into the same dorm. So, so yeah. here are my two favorite comments so far for teaching summer school this year. Um, the first one is, uh, hey, Pastor Rob, you look tired. that comes territory when you're when you're my age and doing what i'm doing so that was the first one then the other one the other one was um uh anyone over the age of 30 that's pretty old i'm like oh i've been over 30 for a while okay i've been over 30 you're like my neck hurts again and you know i'm really feeling that neck yeah. yeah, I actually so. pulled my neck last week. So when you said that, I was also feeling old. <laughs> so I feel you. Okay, I feel so. Pain. So a lot of our a lot of our friends that know what Crew is, which is formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. It's a Bill Bright has done a great did a great job creating that, and it's all over the world now, reaching college students, university students. You guys are part of something called Crew City, which is a little bit different. So help us understand a little bit of what Crew City is. Yeah, so Crew City, it's under the same umbrella as Crew. You know, Crew has campus ministry and Crew City and a bunch of other ministries. And so Crew City is is more of a kind of a city focus and in a more of an adult ministry. So with, uh, within Crew City, we have like a 20 somethings ministry called Embark. We have an arts and culture um, division. We have um, kind of like a leader impact. So kind of the trying to reach the leaders of the city. And then the part of Crew City that we're, we're in is more of a community base. So you have people reaching out to under, underserved schools and neighborhoods, single moms, prisons, um, refugees, um, literal next door neighbor ministry like us. Um, you know, we have people church planning. I mean, it's, it's just kind of a broad um, um, focus. So, yeah, so it's like 500 staff just trying to reach out to, to these cities, you know. Yeah. So, so tell me, how did the neighboring piece come to, to fruition for you guys? Like, how did you get to the, the arm or the angle of, of sort of just becoming ministers in your own neighborhood? So about 10 years ago, almost, we moved into our neighborhood and we were in one of the most stressful seasons of our lives outside of the last year of a worldwide (laughs) pandemic. Um, but we had had four kids in five years. And um, like Chris said, he was directing the campus ministry at Mizzou. And he was also commuting part-time to do seminary, to do his MDiv at Covenant, um, two hours away over an eight-year stretch. So it was just, it was a stressful time. Um, We weren't looking for more ministry to do. um, But I think we had this sense of, man, if we're going to have community, if, if at all, if I have to drive 15 minutes across town to get it, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And so we, we kind of have the sense we need our neighbors. We need some people in real time 
right around us that can be our people, that we can take care of each other. And, um, and so we met uh, a couple across the way, Bingo and Angie. And Bingo was like almost eight feet tall. This um, basketball, used to play basketball at Mizzou. Um, he's the only one who can make my husband feel small because <laughs> yeah. um, he's a pretty big guy too. <laughs> And, um, and Bingo loved to fry things. He had all these fryers and we're like, Bingo, let's do a fish fry um, for just the people like kind of right around us. Um, Cause we were, we're, well, we, we, can I say foodies? Oh, yeah, I'm foodies. like, we're kind of like low level foodies. Mm -hmm. Like we like to eat basically. <laughs> um, so we had, I we concur. Had, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we had some fish tacos and, um, and with just, just a few little neighbors and we're like, man, we need bingo. We like bingo. We you're like, we need these people. And, and it was fun and it was enriching. And, um, and so we're like, we should try a few other things. So that spring, I think we did a little, we threw it out there to some other neighbors. We'll do a little Easter egg hunt. And we, we had like six kids and four of them were ours. So it was like very kind of humble beginnings. Um, and that, but, but at that little Easter egg hunt, we met um, Nathan and Kathy who said, hey, if you ever wanna do some things in the neighborhood, we'd love to help. And we we're like, like what? They're like, like a block party, like try some things. Let's, you know, let's go. And so we said, okay, well, let's, I don't know. And so we threw it out there to some neighbors. You bring the tablecloths, you bring the trash bags, you bring the, you know, the silverware, whatever, and did a little potluck. And, and what we found was things just started kind of exploding, like neighbors were coming out of the woodwork. And, and we started doing some of these, these things, which neighboring's not a one size fits all. I mean, it, people do it in their own way. For me, I'm a sucker for a party. So that's how it started. It started, it started with some parties, but it was like exponentially growing to where we're like, wow, people are just as starved for this as we are. Mm -hmm. And so um, really from there, we started to see, we, we, we did some things with Halloween, our, our neighbor, like our, 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 we live in the suburbs. So it was the proverbial, like the garage door opens, the car pulls in, the garage door closes, like no, there was no community. And so we're like, let's, this isn't right. Let's, let's try some things. So with Halloween, I think our neighbors started to see us seek the common good of the neighborhood and care about a lot of things that they cared about. And we did like an Arbor Day event um, where we planted like 350 trees in the neighborhood because we live, we had like no trees, sadly, and we're big tree, tree lovers. And so um, as time went on, we saw the social fabric of our neighborhood strengthened. Um, we started to try to translate some of the things we had learned from campus ministry, which was you know, an adjustment, um, cause it's really different. Yeah. Um, but we started to see over time, spiritual conversations. It was like, wow, like you guys go to church. Tell us about that. We started to see some people begin to follow Jesus. And, um, we're like, wow, maybe this is, maybe this is a direction we should go in, try to do this neighboring thing. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, I think, I think the neighboring conversation is, is a very relevant one, not only for, um, us personally on a personal level, because as my wife and I are kind of in the beginning stages of maybe some of the conversations that you've already had, like in the last month, couple of months, we've really gotten to know at least uh, three of our neighbors that just met a new one the other day. Right. So so we're kind of in that little zone ourselves. But I think 
not only for that, what I'm seeing in college students on a college campus is no less desire to create that neighboring sort of reality. And so part of, you know, what, what Jeff and I kind of talk about on the show sometimes is how do we create that level of community on a college campus, understanding the dynamics are obviously much different, but it's so important because regardless if you're Gen Z or if you're, you know, our age with kids and all that kind of stuff, we're, we're Xers, we're Xers, right? We like to shred the gnar, uh, whatever. So cow. So, so, but regardless of what age you are, that neighboring thing, I think that's a, that's an, that's a DNA woven thing when you, when you meet Jesus. And so have you guys been able to translate that? I mean, you said, you said that you kind of applied some principles from your crew days into your crew city kind of conversation. So I I would really like to know, like, what are those tenets or those fabrics where those things kind of cross over? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Like, you know, we talk about in our book, like, going even back to Genesis 2, you know, Adam is alone, you know, he's there with God in the garden, he has this great setup, but like, he needed another image, uh, a person created in the image of God to be in community with. So a neighbor, a neighbor, we're, we're like you said, we are hardwired, designed yeah. by God for that connection. And I think sometimes we forget that. And, and I think you can, you can even in college, or even in your neighborhood, you can see people and be like, they don't, they don't need connection, like they're doing fine, you kind of get fooled by the persona. But really behind the scenes, they're just as hungry for that connection as we are. And 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 we are created for um, community and connection with each other and with God. And so I think like, I mean, I think the biggest thing we had to translate and figure out was the pace of ministry, because in college, it felt we affectionately called it the microwave, like yeah. things happen really fast. And it is so fun. And we loved it. But then when we come into our neighborhood, building relationships, once you graduate from college, it takes time. Like you're working a lot and there's this just this cultural push to leave your neighbors alone. There's even research done that that's the definition of being a good neighbor is to leave your next door neighbor alone culturally. That's what we think. And so we have to engage in this low and slow kind of crockpot view and say, this is over time. Like this is I mean, we, 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 we were at this for eight or nine years before we really, I mean, having spiritual conversations, but, but we didn't have any kind of Bible studies or anything like that. We were just, we were serving, we were loving our neighbors. We were enjoying them. We're, you know, mustard seed type faith interactions. And through that, God was just at work, but it was a, it was a slow process, but it it really did build those relational connections that could withstand and hold up to some of those weightier conversations about God and about life. Um, And so um, once we embrace that, we were able to bring our experience from the campus ministry and just having spiritual conversations with people into our neighborhoods. So so it's interesting because with college students, you're trying to move almost as quickly as possible to that spiritual conversation. One, because they're probably going to make bad decisions pretty quickly. Like we just know, I think it was James Emery White who said yeah. you have 90 days with a college student to capture them or they're gone. Um, your neighbor is going to live there maybe nine, ten years. So you have a whole lot a longer spectrum of time. What has been sort of the, the tipping points or maybe some of the cues of going, hey, this relationship is ready for that spiritual conversation? Hmm. So we talk about watching for um, our neighbor's spiritual pace. Mm-hmm. So um, like there, there have been neighbors who they're, I'm thinking of one in particular who is an atheist where 
um, as, as you live out your faith and you self-identify as a, as a Christian, as a follower of God, just being the real you, you're going to talk about your life. You're going to talk about your small group. We were at church. Um, you know, I'm learning this, um, and I, as I would share those things in, in my, in my friendship, kind of drop the hanky, so to speak there, it was like crickets. Like anytime I would ever say anything spiritual, it was like just dead, like death <laughs> silence, you know? So it was like, okay, kind of slowing down, like not pushing into that, um, with her, but over the years, of, of just being myself and having these conversations. It took probably two years before she opened up and one night was like, kind of shared her whole story of why she doesn't believe in God and where she's at. And so I think being able to gauge that and take appropriate risks to mm. the conversation, like if they're crawling, if they're at a crawl, you're crawling with them, but you're yeah. not just because they seem spiritually disinterested doesn't mean we're disinterested in them. Um, and then as they start to, I mean, we've had neighbors who had said, you know, Hey, we're not, we're not into uh, the whole church thing, but, but if I ever were to be, I would want it to be like that, you know, and then that, that, that couple, that was six years ago. The wife just told me, Elizabeth, I, I want you to know, we're going to start, we're going to start coming to church. And so it's like, okay, you know, like you start, you start walking, you start jogging, you start picking up that, that pace, but taking appropriate risks, I think that right. match their spiritual pace has been key. I think, um, I mean, you, you've kind of indicated sort of, and you even brought up you, your neighbors are there like nine years, right? So maybe not in today's age, but who knows? Point is, not, um, not in our market, you can yeah, sell a lot market, of money right, right now. Sell tomorrow. But uh, anyway, so the point is, um, this is sort of antithetical to our mainstream cultural ideology of, you said microwave, instant gratification, um, single rejection sort of realities where if we're told no once, okay, cool, I'll never ask again, right? right. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a massive sort of a spiritual maturity adjustment that's required in order to see an investment into someone's life as a long haul conversation. Right. All the while we're faced with that, that sort of that spiritual reality of no one's guaranteed tomorrow. Jesus comes back at any moment. So we so that's that's got to be a real tension for you guys. And mm -hmm. I mean, would you mind maybe sharing like some of your mistakes? Like, I, I mean, I know we've all made mistakes, you know, in, in that process. But what are what are some things that you've learned from? You know, I don't even know if that's an appropriate question, I'm, but I'm asking. You asked it. <laughs> You. Well, I was thinking about just initially, I was thinking about the diff one of the things that's been helpful is the different distinguishing between having ulterior motives and having ultimate motives. Mm. And when you have ulterior motives, there's that bait and switch and yeah, you're yeah. kind of in it for the short term. Mm -hmm. But when you have ultimate motives, you can just, you're freed up to dream and, and, and they probably know, I think our neighbors know, like we'd love for them to know, mm. to know Jesus. I mean, there have definitely been times where I'm, I'm always like inviting, like, Hey, would you guys want to come to church? And I have been known for, I mean, I've lost count of how many neighbors I've invited to join our small group, which is like, what? That is not a next step for like, for a lot of our neighbors, but like, I, I lose my chill. Like I can't, I get excited. And so 
That has been something, and I've gotten so many no's. Um, but a lot of those people over the years, as you know, they've hung in there with me, so to speak, you know, and seen, seen my heart and I've had to learn the low and slow and not to be like, kind of, okay, you, yeah. Do you want to join our small group? It's like, no, they don't want to join our small group. But then like a, a few, a few years ago, there was a couple who we had walked into church and if we had made a list of 200 neighbors, they would have been the last people on the list that we yeah. would have ever thought would be there because just, um, yeah, just for, for some, for a lot of reasons. And so we saw them at church and they were there with their kids and I'm on my phone during the worship. I'm like, do you come here often? Like what's happening? And the wife messages me back and says, um, cause they were on their way out as we were walking in and says, you know, basically we, we started coming to church because our kids said they don't believe in God in the process. We've, our lives have been turned upside down and now we've, we're finding faith kind of, so to speak. I can't remember how she phrased it. We're finding Jesus. Um, are you in a small group? And if so, can we join? I was like, ah, oh, finally my small group people. And we walked through their backyard, through our backyard into our living room. And that was four years ago. That's and, cool. And their kids are believers now. That's cool. And that, so I'm like, so, you know, for all the, all the missteps and the, you know, um, all the things that God still there's still people that can join your yeah. small group. <laughs> you got you guys started the conversation by saying the season of life when you started this was very busy with four kids. How has this sort of idea of neighboring and being sort of evangelistic and neighboring affected or changed your family or family structures? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, it's been really cool to be able to engage our kids in missions right like mm -hmm. we don't have to go anywhere as a family now i mean short-term mission trips are great but like we talk to our kids about like our neighbors we pray every night for our neighbors um you know that they would experience the love of god and they'd come to know jesus and you know we talk about how the block parties are fun and kind of this excuse to get to know our neighbors and serve them and help provide this community and so it's been really fun to like do it together as a family and and to see them take little steps of faith even with their friends you know um they'll they'll, they'll say stuff you know and then it's navigating some of those conversations where you know our daughter will be like you know ask a neighbor hey are you teaching your kids about god you know <laughs> and, and you're and we're like oh boy you know and, and and but but like the mom was like no i'm not but like you can if you want and like it's, it's, it's cool. Cause there's this like trust, right? She, mm -hmm. she, she has seen us serve and care and love. Um, and so there's some trust there. I think what's been challenging is trying to help, you know, as, as you get to know people in your neighborhood, you're going to get to know a lot of people who don't think like you, who don't mm -hmm. vote like you, who don't spend their weekends like you have different worldviews. And if your kids are interacting with their kids, they're going to, they're going to be in count. They're going to be challenged by different views on stuff. Yeah. And so there's that challenge of like them processing and walking through that with your kids and trying to talk through those things and help guide them in those conversations. So um, it's, it's been good. And I appreciate those opportunities, but it's, it's, it can be challenging. And at times you can be like, Oh man, are we, is this, is this good? And it's like, yeah, no, this is good. It's just, 
you know, it can be, it can be challenging. You got, you know, really spend some time in prayer, trusting the Lord to guide those conversations. Yeah. I think, I think for me, you know, I think about, we had uh, Addison Bevere on the show last year, last season or whatever it was. And he made a comment in that show. It's like, uh, especially for Gen Z, which is, you know, our primary focus here on a, on a college campus. He's like, so many kids come in and they want to change the world, but they're not willing to change their own street. Right. Or something along, it was a comment along those lines. And so part of what we're trying to do here is help them understand that, you know, their street matters as much as the, the social justice topic that, that currently exists in, in our culture. Right. Cause those change and those evolve. And, you know, we've seen that sort of how that play out. So, so for you guys, how has this personally reframed your ideas or your concepts of, of what it means to be engaged in a local body and in, in a church context? Like, how has this kind of reshaped your own, you know, sort of theology or practical ministry and how you approach uh, the gospel? Do you read the gospels different now? So I know it's like a nine part question, but <laughs> just, seven. You know, it was only like seven. seven was a seven. <laughs> so speaking of sevens, no, maybe this is a great place to pause in the show and guess, guess Enneagrams. <laughs> uh, uh, oh yes. I love it. A different show. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So many different directions, but, um, I think when you were talking about how, um, it just that idea of, it reminded me of, a, um, a, I think it's a Tish Warren Harrison um, quote where she says, everyone wants a revival, but no one wants to do the dishes. Mm. That's, that is neighboring. That mm. is like, everyone wants the harvest, but few of us want to do the hard work of sowing and, and that, that low and slow, like the sowing mindset of watering, weeding, tilling, um, coming back to water it again, um, pr- protecting from predators, like, and that's really the way that Jesus talks about spiritual growth a lot of times. So that was one thing that came to mind when you asked about um, reading the scriptures differently. We're um, we're currently studying the Beatitudes and thinking about how how that how the teachings of Jesus show would show up in our lives as neighbors, and I think. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about conviction, like I'm just like on the ground reading these, um, reading these teachings of Christ thinking, what does it look like to be a neighbor who isn't, doesn't have the loudest voice, isn't trying to, you know, um, win an argument, but is poor in spirit and meek and merciful. And those are conversations I'm having with my, with our neighbors, like, the other day I was talking to a neighbor who I think she, she's Hindu. And I was like, are you familiar with the Beatitudes? She's like, no, tell me about them. And so I'm like, well, they're the teachings of Christ. And I was kind of explaining to her how I'm trying to learn from the way of Jesus, how to be poor in spirit. She's like, I love this. This is beautiful. You know, I'm like, if I could do it. Yeah. But, um, but it was, it's just, it, it is, it is a whole new lens. I think of yeah. reading scripture. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just grounded us here. I mean, we could have moved after we transitioned out of college ministry, we could have moved to a, a city and started over with this neighboring idea, but it's like, we didn't want to move. We wanted to stay in Columbia, Missouri. We chose yeah. to stay in Columbia, Missouri because of the relationships that we have in our neighborhood because of the involvement in our church. Um, and it really is, I mean, you know, the 
sometimes God calls us to move, but we really saw and have seen how he's placed us for a purpose that our address isn't an accident and neither are our neighbors and that he, he is wants us to kind of stay put and, and, and keep these roots and keep um, kind of advancing those relationships and seeing what will happen. Yeah. Chris, you're obviously a professional. We can segue to the book, which is called Place for a Purpose. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's good at the sound. We wove that right into that answer to get yeah. to that. So yeah. uh, the book is Place for a Purpose. And you, yeah. you said, you guys, that God left you or you allowed you to stay in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. Um, why the book? Why now is this book so important for us? Yeah, so we, um, you know, when we switched over to having neighboring be our full-time focus, we knew we wanted to help others neighbor. We talked to people, our friends, and, and, and they would say, yeah, like, our neighborhoods are a lot the same. Like, we, we have a hard time getting to know our neighbors. And, and so, really, we wrote the book as kind of like everything we wish we would have known when we started neighboring. So, it's like when I'm, like, slinging cotton candy for two hours at our block party, you know, and, I, and I'm like, is this worthy work? Like, is God valuing this or should I be inviting people to church? And so, we wrestled with a lot of that. And what we found is, like, yes, like, everything in that sowing and tilling process, all those small steps matter in in the process of of God's kingdom coming and leading to relationships and so so that's why we wrote it and and we feel like man if you're gonna kind of invest in your neighborhood and neighboring you need a sustainable vision it doesn't happen overnight so our heart is really to help people embrace those you know small things like it's 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 not you know removing the word just from your neighboring vocabulary it's never just a wave just a smile Mm -hmm. just an introduction no it's it's a wave to your neighbor it's a smile it's a hello it's a hey joe i'm sorry we've lived next to each other for two years and i don't know you know i forgot your name what's your name you know i'm i'm chris you know and and it's those tiny little things that over time God's at work in that lead to some of these really significant spiritual conversations. And I just think in that instant gratification, the, the culture of now, um, we need that message more than ever. I mean, Jesus talks about that in Matthew 13, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that is planted. And when it has grown, not overnight, clearly years and years and years and years and years, it is like a tree that gives shade. And, and, and that is, that's how Jesus says the kingdom of God grows. So I think we have a lot to learn about from that parable and that type of perspective on ministry. I'm going to make a fairly large kind of leap of logic here. So as we're kind of having these, which has happened on the show many times, <laughs> but as we're kind of having these conversations, I'm, I'm sort of drifting my mind towards um, our expressions of how we do local church, which is obviously a big part of our conversation here on the show. But and we've talked in other with other guests about it, but this seems like it's a great segue into, and I don't think this is your area of expertise, but but certainly it may be within the wheelhouse. But I think this segues really nicely into this conversation that a lot of people are having on the house church movement that's born out of this neighboring conversation. And so it, it it's it's church, yes, in the in the the big C sense, but it's really all about being the body of Christ where you are, you know, and I love what you said. Your address is not an accident. I mean, and so where are you guys kind of in that scenario? And I don't know if you want to answer this question or not, but where are you guys kind of on this? Um, ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Scale? Thank you. 
Master Jeff, ecclesiology of paying off. the house church movement and, and where you see that kind of going locally? Well, we, we go to a bigger church in Columbia. And right. um, I, what's great is our pastors, they are they encourage our work. They, they aren't. Um, so we co-direct the neighboring ministry at our church and they know that our goal is not to try to get every neighbor to our church. Um, now, if it's, if it's a good fit and that happens like in that, in that um, case of that, that family, that's awesome, but they want us to seek the good of, of our neighborhood. So for, for some of our neighbors, we're finding a lot of them struggle with social anxiety. Mm. So to get in the doors of a church, a big church, let alone a bigger church, yeah. um, but really any church is, whoo, that is a it's big a stretch. stretch. Um, so I think that's where, like, you know, we got some criticism from this one pastor. We weren't sharing our faith kind of fast enough. This is not, not our pastor. This is a, um, a, a guy in, a, in another city and it's like but we want to help people have those those relationships that can sustain those kind of weighty conversations and a lot of the, these people that the nuns and the duns they're not they're not stepping into the churches so um i mean i think like we feel very called to our church and we love our church and we love the um like the culture and the ministry philosophy but um, but we're also big fans of small churches, and we have um, some of our really good friends in Columbia are planning a, a small church. They're they are church planning, and it's small right now, and it's um, they're seeing God do really great We've things. We've had a lot of neighbors check that out because yeah. they're like, "Yeah, oh, your church it's just too big." We're like, "Go to this church," mm-hmm. um, and it, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think neighboring it 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 could be a way forward for the gospel, especially in our climate. You know, I mean, if we could love our next door neighbors as believers, right. And like, and like love them, reach out to them, you know, you know, especially people who don't believe the same things that we do. It's like acceptance is not agreement. Like I can accept my neighbor who thinks a different way without agreeing with everything he believes in. And we can be friends and we can look for common ground. That might be his only experience with a believer ever. You know, it, 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 you know, he may not ever come to church, but like in my driveway, that might be his experience. And and I think like what an opportunity in our polarized kind of culture right now to be believers who are 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 living kind of upside down in that way where we're loving, we're deferring, we're asking questions, we're seeking to understand um, with our next door neighbors. It, it just I think it presents a, a, just an incredible opportunity. During COVID, we did some neighborhood worship nights for some different neighborhoods throughout our city. And there were some non-believers who were willing to come to something like that because it was right there in their neighborhood. And that has kind of that house church type feel. Or I know like some churches, we've coached a, a church down south that did like a backyard VBS, where instead of having everybody come to you, it was like, no, you, they gave their people the the tools and then we kind of coach them on the um neighboring side the neighboring side like the sustainable side but yeah i could see it being like he's chris said a way forward what what's so interesting and i'm processing out loud so if this doesn't make sense i apologize but our our focus is college students we spend a lot of time with college students and everything happens fast we mentioned that even community yeah so that that first few weeks in a dorm those become your people 
we we'll get to the final question, but the primary sort of answer we get from that is relationships come out of college, they're best friends. And typically what happens after you graduate is that community scatters. And those people who've yeah. been in your community now are are hundreds of miles away or the next town over. So what what this neighboring idea almost recreates in a weird sort of vacuum is the college dorm again. <laughs> like yeah. the people next door. Yeah friends they were your community they're what you did with people so yeah. especially for young adults who are losing community as they graduate i think this sort of conversation mm. around neighboring is an important one for the church because when you hit mid-20s you lose community because you just graduated and they're all gone and so yeah. there's that that emptiness of community that we have to recreate this sort of concept is something that i think the local church can hang on to or 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 maybe articulate in some ways that goes, Hey, you're a 20 something. You still need community though. You lost it. It can be done in this sort of concept. We've tried to do it with small groups and there's other ways to do it, but this is another way I think yeah. we can sort of create the community aspect. Um, mm-hmm. That was a diatribe. That was way off. That's fine. Point, so. but well, well, like, I do like the fact that we're actually changing the word neighbor into a verb. Neighboring, yeah. Right. I, mean, I, I do. I love the fact that we're having the conversation about, that being an active sort of essence of who we are as disciples, mm. right? Not just a, not just a passive sort of reality that we just have to live yeah. with or whatever. I, yeah. I, I think you're onto something. Like I think for seniors, graduating seniors, that senior year, engaging them in this conversation of neighboring, like where they end up, their address isn't an accident. Like that could be the bridge with translating what they've learned in college about ministry, it's going to be different. How do you translate that? It's going to be low and slow. It's not going to be as fast. And you give them a vision because a lot of them will give up. Like I tried to invite my neighbor to church or something and they, they didn't want to come. So I guess I'll move on. But it's like, no, that's maybe like college would have moved fast, like fast like that, but neighboring doesn't. So here's a new perspective as you move into your adult kind of life of what it could look like to be on mission with God. So I think, yeah, I think you're on. Yeah, I, I wouldn't ask a theological question. Um, not that any of them have been at this point, but yeah. the, the, the neighboring comes from Jesus that love your neighbors yourself. It's a second yeah. commandment. He said, the first is love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Mm. Um, so within that context, what, what I think I've seen in young adults, especially is they love the second commandment and they kind of like the first commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of, of being good neighbors is very popular right now. Um, how are you seeing that the first commandment saying the first commandment in this conversation and it's, and, and the second is an outpouring of that and not the reverse. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about like, excuse me, um, we're not neighboring out of our own strength. Okay. So we're, so, so our love for our neighbor needs to flow out of our experience of the gospel. Yeah. And even if you think about the story, the parable of the good Samaritan, like a lot of, a lot of times I think we see ourselves as believers, as the Samaritan, like, okay, yes. Like we do need to help and stop and be neighborly to those people that God has put around us. But John Newton actually has a hymn where he flips it and he's like, actually, we were the ones in the ditch. Right. And Jesus was the ultimate mm-hmm. good Samaritan who stopped and, and said, no, you are, you are not a non-neighbor to me, like the Levite and the priest said, but you are, you are a neighbor and I'm going to pick you up and bandage your wounds and take care of you. And so if we ever try to love our neighbors or do anything out of our own strength and not out of the experience of God's love for us, his acceptance of us, he brought us in, he forgave us, then we could never 
bring our neighbors in, forgive our neighbors, reach out to our neighbors. God moved towards us, so we move towards our neighbors. And it has to be that. Mm, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, well, we're getting close to time, which is crazy because I feel like we just started, but we do <laughs> want to ask you guys one final question. And since there's two of you, we, you both can feel free to answer. It doesn't have to be just one answer. So you can take your turns answering it. But uh, our final question we ask everyone on the show is uh, what is one lesson that you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom besides root beer pong? We've already covered that. So it has to be I can something tell you else. all about root beer pong once we get off air. <laughs> uh, well, when I got to college, I really, I wanted to get away from the church. I, I was kind of disillusioned for my freshman year and thought, I don't know if I believe any of this. And mm. um, God sovereignly um, brought me across the, the, the path. He, he crossed my path with a woman named Jane, who, who was on staff with crew campus ministry. And, um, and through that relationship, she really mentored me. She taught me about grace. She taught me how to study the Bible. She taught me that my identity was in Christ and not in my performance. And I, I had grown up such, such a performer, just so performance driven. And so to learn that, on the topic of leadership, that 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 um, that Jesus is our example of a servant leader, and that um, that leadership comes not from position, but um, but from an influence that stems from the, from our connection to Him and abiding in Christ and the gospel. Um, yeah, she's she's a pretty awesome lady. She's single in her fifties and. Um, having just an impact by loving people one by one, you know, kind of like the, the, um, the starfish, like you want to, you want to reach the world, but like, it's like one person at a time, like she loved me. So. Yeah. I mean, I'd say for me, um, Henry cloud in his writings have been really influential in my life and in college. And he wrote a, just a fantastic leadership book called integrity. And I learned a ton about leadership um, outside of the classroom from there. I think one of the things that stuck with me, and it's really interesting, but it's as a leader, if we are able to admit and be humble about our shortcomings and our faults in the way that we're just maybe terrible leaders, the people around us that we're leading will have a lot more grace and, and, and forgiveness for those things. But if we say like, if we defend and say like, oh, I, I, I didn't drop the ball or no, what do you mean I, I, I'm not leading uh, the team well in this way or that way, then people are going to be even more like, no, you need to know this and, and, and we need to tell you. And so I think just the humility, just being humble as a leader and letting your validation come from Jesus and the gospel and, and, and not from the things that you're doing. Um, yeah, that, that's just something that stuck with me. Yeah, those are great answers. Again, the book is Placed for a Purpose, a Simple and Sustainable Vision for Loving Your Next-Door Neighbors, and they are doing a killer job at it, obviously. Um, would recommend picking this up. It's a great little read and sort of really kind of creating that vision for yourself. If that's something that God's bending your heart towards. And as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you guys have a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.